Hello and welcome to the Blitz Business Development Show. My name is Mayo Best and I'm a business consultant and coach as well as the founder of the Blitz Business Development Academy. This is a show that provides guidance, resources, and access to best practices to help you advertise, manage, and build geometric profits. From freelancers and home-based business owners to startups and storefronts, you will learn how to start small as you think and grow big. Hello and welcome to the Blitz Business Development Show. I'm your host, Mayo Best, and this, folks, is the first episode of our second season. And to kick off this season, I am going to get you guys started with a superpower. Now, what's the superpower and what's it good for? Well, this superpower, folks, is responsible single-handedly for some of the most mind-blowing results in business that you can think of, anywhere from increasing your throughput by 40% to also helping you to increase double-digit gains in terms of your revenue as well as your profits. Now, how is this all possible based off of this superpower? Well, you'd be surprised that we're not talking about uh, software that you're going to download and put onto your desktop. We're talking about a software for the mind. At least that's what I like to call it. It's actually a skill set, okay? And it's created and it's been developed by the heart program. Now, the gentleman that we're going to have on the show today, his name is Mr. Bill Lennon. Now, Mr. Bill Lennon is one of the co-founders of this program, and Bill is actually going to allow for us to sort of pick apart his brain and dive into the methodology and to some of the frameworks that they use to get phenomenal results. And guys, I'm telling you, you're going to be able to, by using this skill set, you're going to be able to even deal better with your family members, your friends, because it deals with soft skills. And these soft skills have phenomenal, phenomenal results in business application. Okay. So, Without further ado, first of all, let me introduce you to Bill. Now, Bill Lennon was raised on islands and diversely educated. Bill has always been focused on solving human as well as technical problems. Over the span of his tech career, he has built products, teams, and solutions for mobile recruiting, e-commerce, social media, and now education. He's helped companies ranging from Google and Walmart to hotels and restaurants. Building high-functioning teams has been fundamental to build success. His team's successes are directly attributed to the skills taught in the heart curriculum. So, Bill, what I want to do, and I'm definitely going to come back to, I really want to dive a little deeper into your program and how your, your frameworks work. But I'd like to find a little bit more about you because I think your background is very interesting given uh -huh. what you're doing. And I yeah, think yeah, there's yeah. something to that. Um, in, a, in a couple of different ways and from different perspectives that I think would be worth illuminating to the audience. But before I go there, I just want to let you give them some insight about you. Now, you grew up in Hawaii, correct? On an island. Yeah. And what was the island, yeah, was, by the way? It was on Oahu. Yeah. Oahu? Oahu. Oahu. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the, um, it's not the biggest island, but it's the business center. So, uh, is there. Um, Honolulu International Airport is there. That's where most of the military stuff is there also. Yeah. Now, what was that like growing up uh, on an island? Um, 
it is a very different culture mm. um, from a lot of angles. It's it's you know Hawaii's had a bunch of different cultures there for hundreds of years, um, and they've done a really good job of of integration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think they're probably the best model for integration in the world. Hmm. Um, they do it better than any place I've ever lived. Now, when you say integration, can you explain what you mean by that? Um, yeah, okay. So I'm trying not to be political here, but nobody, <laughs> you know, like the school that I went to was only a quarter Caucasian. Okay. Um, you know, like I was unusual, right, in that regard, right. because everybody right. else had dark skin and black hair. Right. Some ethnicity somewhere in the world. Right. Um, a lot of my friends were, were mixed, um, mm-hmm. whatever combination, right? It's right. Super common in Hawaii. Right. Um, Papa. Um, and so I just grew up with that being normal. And also the other thing about it is that there's a lot of people there who are really successful, but mm-hmm. they don't work in Silicon Valley. They're not technologists. Right. Um, they're not doctors. They're not nurses. Um, a bunch of my friends had parents who worked in the entertainment business, and they've been working in entertainment and and in Honolulu for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, done quite well for themselves, and mm-hmm. then invested in other things as they were as they were making more money. They saw that a they had to have tax breaks, and b how do they make their money work for them? Right. Um, but that led to a lot of interesting things like. One of the kids I went to high school with dropped out uh, beginning of the senior year. Right. And he dropped out because he was making so much money working that <laughs> school was getting in the way. Right. <laughs> and so he bought his first house in Hawaii when he was, I think, 20. And at 25, he was looking for investments in Seattle as a tax shelter. Hmm. Um, we don't hear stories about that very much, right? Well. But He's a friend of mine. Right. right. Um, and so the scope of what was possible for me was super broad. And my parents never said, you need to be a doctor or you need to go be an attorney or, you know, you need to go to college. Like they didn't even go down that road. Right. So would you say that that the lack of that uh, I would say direction, so to speak, possibly has lent to your ability to be able to kind of be more curious or liberate you for the curiosity and the curiosity that you had to be able right. to explore different options to solve problems. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. It's interesting that you said that they were good at integration. My question for this is: Do you think that? Having such a, a sort of eclectic sort of upbringing and having the exposure to so many different aspects of not just culture in the, in the sense of ethnicity, but work culture and approaches to getting things done. I'm just curious, do you, it sounds like that may have influenced a little bit of how you go about approaching things now. Is that would that be right? It's um, so there's a, a couple things. When I was a first responder, I was a rescue swimmer, mm-hmm. and I, I did a lot of rescues. And and part of the deal there is there's a you know multiple people on the beach. If I go get somebody, someone has to move to cover my my station because I'm out in the water. I can't see what's going on, 
or I'd move to cover them. And so we learned teamwork. Mm. Um, I spent a little bit of time also working in a really nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. There, you know, the, one of the manager's big education points was think about how to help your teammates, right? Right. Notice when people are getting busy, when they're struggling. If someone hasn't been to a table in a while, go see what the customers need. Right. Um, really be very situationally aware right. of, of all the stuff that's going on around you. And so that that's an opportunity to be curious mm. and to always be thinking about what's going on and also to look at situations and go, it's like that now, but how could we make it better in the future? Right. Now, you've been known to say that curiosity is your superpower. My question to you is, at what point did you realize the value in the curiosity to where you would actually go as far as to, you know, name it as such? Um, You know, it's weird because I've always been super curious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, when I was mechanicing, there was a couple of times when, you know, we'd have a car come in and it had a problem and nobody could figure out what was going on and Mm -hmm. people would be looking at it and they'd go through all the diagnostics and they'd be like, this doesn't make sense. Right. Right. And I would suddenly discover, Oh, this thing that we assumed couldn't be broken is broken. Right. (laughs) Um, I, at the same time I was also working on race cars and, um, and I was researching what the best performing drivers were doing in terms of, in terms of how they set their cars up. And what I learned was they didn't do stuff like everybody else. Right. The guys that were were way out ahead, they didn't follow the standard narrative. Mm. And so I had a friend of mine who, um, I was telling him he needed to change some of his suspension setup. And he was like, no, 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 you you know, you're crazy. That's what everybody's, you know, I'm doing what everybody says to do. And I said, well, you know, that's not what the guys that are winning are doing. (laughs) And, Mm. And so we had to work on his car one night. We didn't get it finished. We actually left it most of the way towards the direction I was saying to do it. And he left and then came back and was like, holy crap, my car handle is amazing. It was, what did you do? And I said, well, you know, by accident, we're most of the way in the direction that I've been telling you to go. And he was like, I can't believe, like, nobody does this, but this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's (laughs) That's what they're doing to win. That's what the winners are doing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. What are the people that are not the middle of the pack? What are the outliers doing? And I, right. My curiosity always it pulls me towards what's the outlier data, right? What is it the super successful people do more than what is it that the more than what everybody says to do? Right. 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 I, I think that's very. I think that's very important. Um, and a lot of the successes that I've had, a lot of times it's funny because it comes from the same type of approach. Because the way I typically approach things is I say, okay, show me all of the rules. Show me everything that I can't do. First, I want to know what all of the lines look like in terms of the perimeter so I don't break the rules. Because whatever I do, I want it to be ethically in alignment with what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. From there, I reverse engineer what it is that I want to accomplish. 
Awesome. That's my approach to doing a lot of things. And because I didn't like for business, I didn't go to school. I'm a second generation entrepreneur. But I honestly think that that's part of, I would say, one of my, I call it X factor, which is the same as superpower, is that I never learned how to draw in the line. So in terms of limitations, I don't, you know, I can start with the limitations and create from there. Now, that's my approach, but I like the way that you're approaching. That's why I'm asking the questions from this perspective, because I want people to understand a little bit of, I would say, the method behind the madness, for lack of a better term, understanding yeah. the, the approach and sort of how to think of it. Yeah, there's there's one other piece also. Mm-hmm. This is a, um, a curse and a blessing of growing up where I, where I did. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved to California, I was I, I I knew that I didn't understand culturally what it was like to live in the 48 contiguous U.S. states. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talked about like television shows that I, I'd never seen, right? right? And they, there were all these references, and so part of my insecurity was I don't understand this environment, mm-hmm. and so I I tend to I question assumptions a lot. Mm. Because I don't know the backstory behind it, right? Someone says, "Oh, you can't do that." I'm like, "Well, why? Why? Right? <laughs> you know?" And it's a, oh, it's a rule. You can't do that. And I'm, and I'm always okay. But I mean, I hear you say that. And what's the part that I'm missing, right? What is it that I understand? And and frequently, what happens is, like my friends in the race car setup, mm-hmm. right? They just know they heard this story and that that they can't do something. Or this is the way it's always been done, mm. right? And because I didn't grow up with those kinds of stories, right? When I hear them, I'm like, uh, okay, right? Uh, I don't, I don't understand, right? right. And I, I tend to go and test those, technically breaking the rules, um, <laughs> to you know, to see like, okay, if I break the rule, what happens, right? Um, and frequently what I find is that the rules are there. Mm-hmm. They're not really rules. Right. It's something somebody wanted to use as a, as a, as a control mechanism, basically. Right. Right. And it, it doesn't help. Right. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to go make this work. Right. Right. So, now, this is something that <laughs> I was thinking about this because this is something that I've battled with. I've as I've gotten older, I've sort of I like to say mastered this balance. But I'm curious as to your take, since you have such a, a, a colorful and extensive background. Because so, so far, I know <laughs> that <laughs> you are first responder. You've fixed cars and to a sounds like, you know, to a really deep level. Like you're not like me to where I can maybe change a tire. No, you were dealing with suspension systems and so forth. You're a programmer. Oh yeah. You got this yeah. extensive motors, everything. Yeah, and I you know, and also know you've made products and so forth. So how did you go about navigating the whole <laughs> you know, don't become a jack of all trades and a master of none type situation? Like how do you how do you see? How did you navigate that and still maintain some sense of focus to kind of still move things in the direction? What was your approach to that? 
Yeah. So um, starting point is I have ADHD, just so everybody knows kind of where I'm coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned how to leverage it really, really well. Ah, okay. And, and to use it as a, a superpower, right? Right. Um, and one of the benefits of ADHD is when, when people with ADHD find something that they're really excited about, mm-hmm. we can hyper-focus for a long period of time. It's right, that is true. Right? We can get into flow for a longer period of time, and we're more um, we're more efficient during that time period because we just stay super-focused, right? Right. Um, I didn't realize this was unusual when I was a kid. Mm. And so when I was mechanicing, that was part of my problem-solving um, methodology, mm-hmm. not really realizing what I was doing, right? Right, I, right. You know, I would drop into flow and start going through stuff. Um, I also, I experiment a lot with picking and choosing where to go deep and where to not go deep mm. in terms of expertise. Um, and so, for example, um, I never learned how to take tires off of rims and put them back on. Hmm. Right. Um, I took that to a shop where there was guys that were expert at that and they were expert at balancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid attention to what the brands and the construction was of tires that performed really well. Mm-hmm. So I knew what to put on my cars or what to advise our clients to put on their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned what the what the best racers were doing. Right. Um, when I got into software development, what I focused on was understanding the customer problem more mm-hmm. becoming the best developer in the room. Right. Because right. what I learned in my second, maybe third year of writing code mm-hmm. was that, yeah, it was actually in my second year, um, was that there were a lot of people in the world better than me at writing code. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that I didn't really want to win that game. What I learned was that the high value proposition was being able to understand the customers mm-hmm. and get to what their problems really were and then translate that back to what the engineers could build. Mm. That was a that was a scaling and a value proposition that was unusual because nobody else on my team wanted to do that. I like it though. I I, I really like that because that's actually kind of genius because, you know, I and I say that because it really does resonate with something that I truly believe in myself, which is being very um, being customer centric from the perspective of always. I, I say this a lot of times, always instead of always be closing, I like to say always be building value. Always figure out how to build value. And when you're customer centric and you start from what is it, what it is that the customer wants and reverse engineer your way back to the solution. And I think that's genius because to do that from a software's perspective means that you just won't have a good software, quote unquote, that has good functionality and good UI, but you actually have a product that's much more in alignment with what your customers actually want. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, you know, my focus and depth was how do I talk to the customers? How do I, 
how do I ask them better questions, right? How do I learn about their business processes mm-hmm. and actually get insights that they might not be able to verbalize? Right. Right. And so, and that translates into how to lead teams well also. Because okay. skills that help me hear and witness that a customer is struggling in a particular area mm-hmm. helps me in the software team recognize that, oh, we're not as productive as we could be. And it's because these three people on the team, they don't talk much about architecture. And I know from our one-on-ones, they're really sharp. Mm. In the group meetings, they don't contribute very much. That makes me nervous because that, that looks like a friction point to me mm. because I'm hearing, their, I'm hearing their smarts in the one-on-one, but I'm not right. hearing in the team meeting. I got to go figure out what's going on. Mm. Right? And it's the same skill set as when I'm talking with a, with a customer about what's going on for them. It's just, it's in a different context. Right, right. And so, so that helps me to, you know, like, you know, one of, my, one of the projects that we had um, a few years ago, we had nine months to deliver a solution for Walmart. Um, and my team had to learn new programming language, new database, new operating system, and move from in-house servers to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And I literally laid my job on the line after my team said, oh, hey, we can do it. Right. And so, right. and we got done in eight months. Wow. Huh. Okay. Amazingly, but it was because I was, I was all, the team already trusted me to lead them in a way that they could be successful. Right. Right. Because we already, we'd already had a track record of doing things. Right. And so I was able to find the friction in the team, find the places that didn't go well. And it's an iterative process. Mm. You know, I found the first piece and was like, oh, I can solve this problem. Okay, let's let's do it, right? Right. Got better. Team got more effective. And then the next piece showed up. And I was like, oh, hmm. I, I got to figure this out. I've got to put some time into this and really understand what's happening. And then, okay, got that piece. And then, you know, just kept nibbling away at it. Right. And, uh, and the team just kept performing better and better. And they, they were all happy about it. Right. Yeah. You know, this is interesting because um, it actually reminds me of some information uh, that I looked up um, a little bit ago. And it was actually talking about this. Um, It was the World Economic Forum. They were talking about how the skill sets that are going to be in demand. And they were saying for the fourth industrial revolution. And this is interesting, like listening to your approach. And one of the actually about three or four of the skill sets were not what you would have thought that they actually are, which, you know, we in 2017, when I'm reading this, before I read it, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be coding, it's going to be all these technical skills, and the actual truth was that, for the most part, they were soft skills. It was your ability to be able to problem solve, your ability to be able to relate to people, your ability to be able to take complex situations and be able to like break those situations down in a way and then you know not not just in a way that people can understand but having the ability to manage these things both emotionally and in a way to where you can work with people and still get things done 
And it's this meshing of both this very, I think, complicated, multi-layered technical world with our humanity. And the folks that are able to do that best are the ones that's going to pretty much be the most successful. Now, this is it. And the reason why I mention this is for my audience, because I really want you guys to really um, learn something here from Bill and listen to what it is that he's actually doing as a skill. No matter how many skills he's learning, that human component and that factor of being able to still relate is extremely important. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important and it's definitely noteworthy. Um, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and move on because there's a few more questions I've got for you, Bill. Yeah. Um, you said in the podcast, in the thriving room, you said, we don't have to be in alignment. <laughs> I thought this was interesting. We don't have to be in alignment about what we see as important. But you said we need to be in alignment about the outcomes. And in a world where I think... in Folks uh, have a challenge today with interpersonal skills because I think most folks probably have, I would say, and I'm probably going out on a limb and saying this, but most of us have challenges with getting beyond what those things are that are important to us. And that's an emotional connection to being right, (laughs) which is sometimes, and I I get where you're coming from because you're saying, well, listen, what really matters is the results. And it's counterintuitive for us to argue about what we think is important if it's not so much in alignment with what the outcomes need to be in terms of results. So my question to you, Bill, is this. Um, before I ask the, the next question, let me ask you this, because I want to give you an opportunity to explain. I want first for you to explain and expound upon what that means to you, your statement that you said yeah um so it's about taking the long view mm-hmm. and not and and, and and um and not being stuck in just the the oh it's got to work this way this moment right mm. um if i you know if i wanted to drive california to virginia mm-hmm. right i know that if i turn on my nav system right now and waves pops up on my trusty phone and I say, get me there. It's going to say, here's the route. Mm-hmm. I also know it's going to change along the way. There's going right. to be traffic here and the way is it going to say, go that way. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, there's a snowstorm and they're going to have me go this way. And then there's going to be a bridge out, whatever it is, right? There's going to be all these things, but ultimately I'm going to get to Richmond, Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. If we think about what is the long-term goal, right? Right. I like having a greater relationship with my partner. Right. right? And we have different skills and I try to figure out how to make them complement each other. Right. So having that great relationship, she loves to cook. Right. I don't like to cook. (laughs) I'm not really good at it. Right. I mean, I can put vegetables up, but that's about it. Right. Right. But I will clean dishes all night long. Mm -hmm. For her, that is a huge win. Because she doesn't like to wash the dishes, right? Mm-hmm. She wants the upfront part, and I like good food, and she doesn't have to worry about the dishes, right? Um, so, so for me, the 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 gearing together is mm-hmm. what's so important, right? As long as we're all going, as long as we're 
we're going for the long-term goal of us both being happy with the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? Awesome. We win. Right? Right. Um, and there's so many ways that, you know, if she was insistent that I love cooking. Right. That'd be a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just not my thing. Right? Right. If I was insistent that she loved washing dishes, that would be a problem. Right? So it's... It's willing to be flexible and recognizing we're going for the long-term solution. Right. Um, in the software development world, there's a, a, a project management style called Agile. Mm-hmm. And, and Agile is all about experimenting with hypothesis. Okay. And so we have a hypothesis that a feature like this will make our customers happy. And so we're going to do an experiment. We're going to build that feature and we're going to put it in front of the customers mm-hmm. and they're going to give us a response. They're going to go, oh my God, we love this. Or they're going to go, now we hate it or whatever, right? Whatever mm-hmm. the metric is that we're trying to to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon does this to us hundreds of times a day right now. Amazon has a process where you don't even, you don't even know it's happening, right? I right. think uh, last time I checked, it was like 20% of their traffic, which is a lot. Mm-hmm is routed through these experiments. Right. And they're small. They're they're you wouldn't notice them unless you were every day going and looking, right? And maybe today you're not in the traffic that's being experimented on, right? Right. Um and they target based on demographics and a bunch of other stuff also, right? So mm-hmm. there's always these experiments and they're having us go like this. Mm-hmm. But ultimately the goal is I'm hitting I'm gonna get to Richmond, Virginia, or my partner and I are gonna have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and this is why I don't get stuck so much on the divergency. It's like, you know, today we were traveling and we got screwed up because the pass we we're going to go through was snowed over, mm-hmm. which was not predicted yesterday in the weather forecast. Um, we said, okay, well, what are the important things we have to get to next? What do we need to do? Well, we need to get good internet. Right. Um, and we're in the high desert. And where's the nearest good internet? Right. Um, and our first choice didn't work. You know, we got there and we were like, oh, they're closed. Even though everything says they're open, they're really not open. And so then we're like, okay, let's adjust. Where are we going to next? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's a lot of it's about flexibility. Right. Um, a lot of it's about, about long-term goals. Right. Um, and, I've, you know, in, in all fairness, I've done, I've been doing this and I've autopiloted this kind of, because I've done it so much right. now. Right. Um, you know, early on, I wasn't this easily flexible. Right. You know, right. So, so you know, it was, it was when I first started doing this, you know, trying to be flexible about what I was working on. It, I spent a lot more time on my emotional regulation mm, mm. Um, to go to, you know, so rather than getting pissed off. Right. You know, early on, I would get angry like that. I'd be like, oh, these guys are closed. Ah, you know. Right. Um, but what I realized over time was that that self-righteous indignation mm-hmm. slowed down the process of me solving the problem. Right. <laughs> right. And, it, and, it, and, and the adrenaline spike didn't help my cognitive functionality. Right? right. And so then I was, okay, let's try a different approach. Let's right. experiment with, okay, it wasn't what I expected. And I still have to do this thing, you know. Right. I still need to get to Virginia. I still want a great relationship. 
And it's only to do this podcast with you. Right. Okay. What's my pivot? Where am I going to go? Right. Right. Um, and it's a lot of it's practice. Right. You know, we, in our, in our course, we talk about the value practice all the time. Right. Um, you know, Stephen Curry shoots a lot of baskets. Mm -hmm. The God of three, of three, three pointers. Right. Right. And it's not like, and everybody knows that, right? Right. Or if they don't, it's pretty easy to discover Mm -hmm. his discipline. Mm. It just, right. You know, and, and so I practice stuff all the time. Right. Right. And, and for me, part of that is it's a way to hack my ADHD. Right, right, right. Okay, you need to practice this thing, right? right. Because I know the long-term results are going to be good. Right. Um, and I, you know, part of what I practice is the bits and pieces of managing my ADHD. Right. And I notice when, oh, I can't focus anymore. Right. I need to, I'm, I'm, I've run out of juice. Mm-hmm. I need to go do something else. Right. I need to not self-criticize because I'm only a <laughs> project, right? Because right. self-criticizing will not get this done any faster. Right. Um, and so, you know, what do I need? What's going on? Am I hungry? Am I, um, am I hyperactive? I need to go get exercise right now. I need to like hop on my bike, go to the gym, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, am I really tired? Right. I take naps all the time. You know, know, I I often say myself that a lot of times, a lot of the problems that we have is because we do not ask better questions. And so, and I've I've definitely found out and I, and I preach this a lot to some of the folks that I consult with is that you will find that you're going to get better outcomes when you learn how to ask better questions. And one of the questions that I've learned to ask when I start getting, you know, frustrated or things start going crazy. Okay. Focus on the solution and not the problem. Just that statement kind of recalibrates me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I found that oftentimes, like you said, you know, once you start getting riled up, you start getting angry, your cognitive skills and ability to be able to problem solve, it just slips and just goes off into nowhere. And just that one statement informing the habit around saying that and connecting that to a trigger, you know, for me, emotion psychologically, it's how I bring things back to nominal back to zero. Focus on the solution and not the problem. Because I often say, too, that what we don't realize is that, and I, and I try to help my clients with this, is that we're always going to be creative, and there's always creative energy. It's always a question of how you're going to choose to use the creative energy. It's going to be negative and work against you, or it's going to be used positively to help you. But either way, it's going to be creative because you have people that <laughs> you give them a solution to a problem and then they'll give you the problem to your solution. <laughs> and you just find yourself going over in a circle and it's just a, a, a pattern that sometimes people don't realize that they need to interrupt that pattern with a completely different philosophy. And, you know, that's what I found that works for me. Now, you, I wanted to kind of 
close out something that you're saying and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong because I thought that it was really interesting. You you mentioned that kind of the way that you go about this approach, it sounds like you need to have and by the way, the approach I'm speaking of is when we were talking about, you know, how do you approach coming to some sense of reconciliation with someone that you totally disagree with um, in terms of the, the the value and just work on the, the outcome. It sounds like part of the takeaway here is trying to remain mentally and emotionally flexible. And it sounds like you also said that you want to use or you can use experimentation as a tool in a way to help help each person to disassociate their emotional connection to the outcome. Because if you ex- if you experiment, then we've already accepted that hey, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We're both experimenting. There's no there's no no one has to take an L so to speak, <laughs> you know, right, right. or one way or the other because we're experimenting. Right. So, right. so experimentation as a tool. Yeah. Sounds like that's a good way to bridge that. Uh, okay, I like that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I try to um, I try to make sure that when, when there's a perspective that I want someone else to be enjoying that I have, mm-hmm. part of explaining that perspective is data-driven. Okay. They can. It's data that they can see, that they can look at, they can experience, right? Right. It's not just me, right? I'm like, oh, here's blah blah blah. And so, you know, I've done things in the past where my CEO and I have had very different perspectives on user experience. Right. I said, okay, great. Well, let's do a focus group. Let's right. Get a bunch of people to come in. Right. We're give them a task. We'll give them your UI, and we'll give them my UI, and we'll see how long it takes. And we'll just and we'll video the whole thing. Right. And, and away we go. Right. And and if you're right, awesome, I'll buy you dinner. If I'm right, right you're changing the UI. Mm. Okay. Um and I haven't bought any dinner yet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, um, nice. But, but that's the reason is I try to be really sure mm-hmm. before I go to that place. Right. right? I right. Sure that I've got all my data lined up. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I'm not just saying it's emotional because I say so. Exactly. I'm saying here's all the data and here's the problems. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going to happen if, here's how it's going to get worse if we don't solve the problem. Right. And here's the solution that we can, that we can implement and here's the outcome and the solution. Right. It sounds like both a left and right brain approach. So you're covering yourself on both bases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, the, the the starting point that I used. Do you know who Guy Kawasaki is by any chance? Yes. Yeah. So he years ago created this idea of a VC pitch deck, mm-hmm. um, and really any presentation that he calls a ten to twenty thirty model. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, no more than ten slides, no more than twenty minutes, and thirty point font. Mm-hmm. Well, I started using that, um, and then also um, as a a little bit of an addition to it, there's a guy um, totally forgetting his name. I'll remember it later on. Who kind of expanded on that idea a little bit a little bit better, and I mm-hmm. found it to be just amazingly effective. 
how many of the skills in you guys program um, would you say that make up the heart program are relative or I would say can be uh, complementary to someone in sales? Because it sounds like there's a little bit of cross there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I'll break it down this way. If you're going to do sales, you mm-hmm. need to start off by having a self-awareness and emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. To start the conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. say, hey, Mayo, how's it going? Um, I hear that you might have a need for some better video editing. Because mm-hmm. I know you've got a ton of video to edit, and you, you know, and it takes time. Like, everybody knows that, right? Right. And, and you go, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, how many videos? So, so asking the questions. So the starting point is, I'm staying calm and collected. Because, one, I'm taking care of my brain chemistry. Because I get enough sleep, I eat enough, I get enough exercise, um, and I have gratitude for all the cool stuff in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. and, 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 and my definition of cool stuff might not be anybody else. Like, I'm really happy that mm-hmm. um, I'm in great shape and I can go do whatever I want to physically because mm-hmm. I'm taking care of my health, right? Like, anybody can mm-hmm. do that. It's not like I've got to, you know, it's not so special. Um, I'm really happy that I've learned a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really happy that my kids are healthy. Right. Like, you know, my, my box of happy stuff isn't super complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I know that's consistent, right? And I'm always going to be able to wake up in the morning and go, wow, you know, I'm, I'm pretty damn healthy. I can do whatever I want to today. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know there's a lot of people where that's not the case. Right. right? Um, and so that helps my confidence. Um mm. Then kind of the next layer on top of that is the interpersonal skills. So, so I want to pause really yeah. quick. Did you just say that the gratitude helps your confidence? Did I hear that right? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Say it again. Uh, the question was: Did you did you just say that gratitude it helps your confidence? Oh my God! Yes. Yes. Can you can you explain that? Because that's very that's very important. So, part of my childhood, um, I lived in the Philippines. Okay. And at the time that I lived there, it was a, uh, a dictator running the country. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, things were pretty bad. Hmm. Um, and I lived on a military base, so I wasn't, but we went off base a lot and we saw a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw people who, and, Fresh water was a really, really, really big deal for them. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you and I get out of the tap every day for them was mm-hmm. very rare. Right. And expensive. Right. And so I learned to appreciate really simple things. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was mechanicing, I met people who had um, a lot of expensive trappings of success and they were miserable. Right. And so... I, I realized that I get to define my own success metrics and I get to be grateful for that. I got a nice hot cup of coffee today. That's right. right? <laughs> you know, um, and it's just, so for me, it's not about, Oh, you know, I, I just got a mega yacht. Right. You know? It's not about that. It's about the really simple stuff mm-hmm. that, that are every day available. If I make them happen. Right. Um, and it's, and because of that, I'm very intrinsically motivated. Right. 
I'm internally motivated to build my own successes right. based on the things that I value. And then right. I get to be grateful that I've done it. Right. I get to go, wow, you know what? I had a goal to do whatever it was and, and I did it and that's super cool. I can do it again. Right, right. I can add on to it. Right. I think that's a very good point because it sounds like what you're speaking of is something that I think is very critical to entrepreneurs, which is you really want to be careful how you are. You go about defining your success metrics, like the things that first of all, how you define success. But then how do you keep score? What do the milestones actually look like and making sure that whatever those milestones are? And however you're defining the success, number one, (laughs) that there are things that are healthy for you that are also realistic and that can keep you going until you actually hit the major successes along the way that you really ultimately want to hit, but really properly. I guess it's basically, you know, setting things up in winnable terms. It sounds like what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's... It's like building something out of Lego, right? Uh huh. You know, when you're building out of Lego, there's a bunch of tiny pieces. Right. right? It's a big, complex thing. You've got four instruction books. Right. You're just you're building a little bit and 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 a little bit, and it, it may take you two months to get done. Right. But at the end, you've got this amazing thing, and you're like, "Holy cow!" Right. I couldn't tell from a box of little plastic pieces. Right. That I'm going to have this at the end. But now that I see it, wow, this is phenomenal. Right. Right. And so for me, it's all about what are the little tiny daily achievable pieces that I can keep adding on? Um, I can't. Somebody made a comment somewhere about 1% improvement every day. Mm-hmm. Just get to be one. Just do 1% better today than you did yesterday. 1% is mm. pretty dang small. Right. And um, and, you know, there, there's days that I don't make that 1%, you know, <laughs> right. Day sucks, right. Right. But I also recognize I'm still playing the game that I want to be playing. Right. Right. And because it's the game that I want to be playing, that's the biggest win I could ever have. Right. I like to segue right. now into getting a little bit into the nitty gritty here about um, the how, which is really where, where where heart comes into play, and what you guys are doing here, yeah. because um, the conversation that we've had has been phenomenal in the respect that you know a lot of the problems I see from a consultative perspective for entrepreneurs, we're not in a shortage anymore <laughs> for information. We are definitely in a deficit for nuance, and by nuance I mean experience wisdom things that you cannot attain instantaneously things that this is the area and everything we've talked about today are the types of things that honestly you can't quite get on youtube in the respect of you know it's that those details that really give you the way to approach these things that takes time and experience so with the heart system i got a few questions now yeah. What are some skills that makes up mental health skills just in general? Sure. Um, so right off the bat, um, being aware, I talk about self-awareness and emotional regulation. Okay. Um, there's 20-ish 
actually really tiny skills that fit into that cluster. Okay. At the most basic level, it's what's happening with your body. Right. What's happening with your emotions. Okay. What's happening with your environment around you. And how are those, and and also it's your beliefs. Mm. Right. Um, And the, the combination of those has a huge impact on your mental wellness. And the, the big aha that my partner had five years ago is that the reason that people fall into feeling powerless and then depression or anxiety uh-huh. is that there's skills available in the world that they don't know they don't know. And if uh-huh. they learn them, and this is what she was, what she saw clinically was people would learn these skills and all of a sudden this place where they had been powerless, they were like, oh, wait a minute. I can change this. Mm. I have all the power in the world. Mm. I don't need to be stuck. Right. So the first thing is to understand yourself and be able to take care of yourself. Okay. And, and and know when, like two nights ago, I didn't get much sleep. Mm -hmm. The next day I was talking with my my partner and I said, you know, I didn't get much sleep last night. I might be cranky today. Mm -hmm. If you start to notice me going in that direction, like let me know. Mm-hmm. so that I can figure out what do I need to do to adjust. Right. right? And partway through the day, she said, uh, you're kind of short-tempered. What's going on? And I was like, oh, whoops. Okay. I need to stop. <laughs> Self-assess. Back up. And I said, wow, you know what? I've forgotten to eat. Mm. And I think I need a nap. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the next part is interpersonal effectiveness, communication. Okay. Um, listening. How does the other person communicate? And there's there's ways to do this well, and there's ways to do it bad. I was at a company years ago, and the software team that I was with, I was a new guy. Um, they they were complaining about the computers being slow. Mm-hmm. To compile a code. And I, I was like, okay, you know, um, why don't we get new ones from the VP? You know, like, why don't we get new computers? What's the big deal? And they said, we've all asked. The VP won't give them to us. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm the new guy. Let me go and, t- you know, take the shot. So I go in. I go, hey, you know, we like uh, the, the team's complaining. The computers are slow. And, and uh, you know, we'd like we'd like to get new, new boxes for everybody. And he said, you know, I hear this from the team all the time that they want new computers. We don't have the budget for it. I said, oh, okay. Went back to the team, picked their brains for about 15 minutes, sent an email to my VP, and I said, hey, you know, um, I have some new data that I think will change your perspective. And I'd like just 10 minutes of your time tomorrow morning. And he replied back and said, okay, sure. This should be interesting. Went in the next morning, laid it out for him. And at the end of the conversation, he said, oh, my God, I had no idea yes, I'm buying you new computers. You'll have them first thing in the morning. And I said, thank you very much. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Went and told my team and they were like, how did you do that? I said, well, I listened to his language. When he said, we don't have budget, I knew that the problem was financial. And so I went back to my team with, and what we figured out was how many man hours their slow computers were costing. Right. Versus what they could be doing if they had new hardware. Right. And when I was able to go back to 
to uh, the VP of Engine with was the savings in man hours will repay the, will repay the cost of the hardware in four months. So it sounds like what you just explained was you aligning with the outcomes that were most important to him by using the language that he needed to hear you say (laughs) so that he could resonate with the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. I like that. Now, if this is what you guys are teaching within the program, that's phenomenal for, for, for my listeners, you know, it's interesting because, you know, some folks, on some level, this is definitely sales. Um, this is definitely a, a high, sort of a higher level of sales. But this is what you guys are missing that are not developing at least your sales skills. But I, I like this program because, you know, even in, in sales mastery, everything that you've touched on in terms of the emotional control and being self-aware of yourself, like we're talking about emotional intelligence, all of these things are coming into play that have to come into harmony in order for you to really be good at this. So exactly. Yep. What I'm also seeing here is this. So now I actually have a question. Within the um, heart system, is there some type of an assessment tool that you guys use uh, specifically to identify things like personality types or subtypes, like like say a disc model or Myers and Briggs? Do you use anything like that? We don't. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that people aren't fixed. Okay. Um, I've done Myers Briggs multiple times, come up with completely different responses. Um, right and and i'm not the only one right 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 and that's a challenge right and and right part of it is where you're comfortable Uh uh-huh is i've used these skills and practiced the skills there's stuff that i'm comfortable with now that i completely wouldn't have been comfortable with five years ago right right but 10 years ago like whole different ball game right and so when we do those those personality tests Really, it's just a snapshot in time of where are you right now. Right. That's true. That's true. So, you know, all of a sudden you get more more confident, you're more comfortable. Some skill area changes. Your whole Myers-Briggs thing goes completely different, right? As do all those tests. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And that's the, I think that's the challenge is finding tests where you're, they're looking for, um, long-term consistent behaviors mm-hmm. uh, and there's there was one that I did that I thought was pretty good mainly because it said I was curious um, <laughs> I was like yeah great awesome right uh, but you know I, I think the challenge with those tests like that is what's the limitation right it's like if you get a physical today mm-hmm. well the physical that you get today is way different than it was 15 years ago. Right. This is a set of, of repurposable skills mm-hmm. that you can use in an insanely wide variety of contexts, right? We've right. been talking about your stuff, but I have an amazing relationship with my teenage sons because mm-hmm. I use these skills. Right. It's all about, you know, I took the skills and I repurposed them into parenting. Right. And so, you know, most people complain about their late teen kids not talking to them. 
you know, my kids are pinging me almost every day. <laughs> when I'm in college, and he's like, hey, dad, I, you know, I'm doing blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Hmm. Oh, you know. Um, awesome. That's awesome. Hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this, Bill. Of the 50 skills that make up the program, what would you say the top three most critical uh, skills are for entrepreneurs to work on? If you could only pick three, what would they be? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> that might be a rough one for you. <laughs> they, well, yeah. That's, <laughs> of the tools in your toolbox, right. <laughs> which one's the most important? Which one can, like, okay, ratchets are really important because you can plug a lot of things into them. Um, I'm trying to think, what's the pulling of a... So one of the ones that really, and again, you know, this is like, you have to get through the foundational level of self-awareness and emotional regulation. Right. This is a baseline. Right. Um, you know, it's that's kind of the equivalent of, of uh, you got to brush your teeth every day. Right. You know, it's just... It's a baseline of, a, of to, to get, you know, to, to higher level stuff. Um, but yeah. for me, one of the biggies really is persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also the, the recognizing the value of struggle. Um, we're really big fans of grit. Mm-hmm. And that struggle is a learning opportunity. Right. And... You're you're doing it knowing that it's part of your education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're going to go to the gym and lift weights, you're going to be struggling. Right. Um, weights aren't designed to be easy, and if they are, you're not really exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, so, getting comfortable with struggle and persistence and failure mm. is is really really valuable, right? Mm. Um, the, you know, back to hypothesis again and testing your hypothesis. Right. Uh, a lot of Amazon's experiments fail. Right. They got like five percent success rate. Yeah, that's true. A lot of time that I checked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm sure some days they have a zero percent success rate. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have a week when nothing works. Right. It's it's all bad hypothesis. And then one day they get fifty things that work, and they're like, woohoo! You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we're getting better every time we practice right right you're learning your sales skills you're honing your ability to hear what somebody is saying to figure out what their pain points are right Um, you're you're practicing recognizing you're uncomfortable about something and then not judging yourself negatively for it right Right. Um, and so you're you're just like oh this is hard okay when I do it enough, it'll become easy. Right. Um, and, and recognizing that that struggle is the path to it being easy. There's, there's no magic, but right. You got to hit it for entrepreneurs. I think that's one of the biggest pieces is that willingness to go, Hmm, it didn't quite work the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. Something didn't go the way curiosity about why. Mm -hmm. Right. Was it, I didn't understand the customer. I didn't understand the product well enough. There's a feature of the product I forgot to mention. Mm -hmm. I tried to oversell this benefit when really they want that benefit, right? Right. Um, 
And so it, it's, it's the, the, the persistence of, oh, it didn't work this time, but I, I can figure out how to get it to work next time. Oftentimes with, I would say, frameworks and solutions that deal with the subject matter that, you know, your business deals with. Sometimes I've noticed for a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, medium to large really doesn't even matter. There could be a disconnect in terms of understanding the real true value of this. So what I want to do for entrepreneurs right now is kind of help them make the connection between what you're doing and how this can affect their bottom lines. Because for a lot of folks, they'll be listening right now and be thinking, well, this sounds really awesome. It sounds good, but yeah, how is this going to help me move my needle in terms of revenue and things like that? So the next couple of questions I'm going to be asking from that perspective. And the first question is, for business owners that don't quite know what the benefits are, for a program, you know, like you guys, or for the the heart system that you guys uh, do, can you help them bridge the gap to that understanding? Sure. Um, there's a bunch of different angles on this. Okay. Um, you know, we've been talking about understanding the customer better. Right. And if you understand the customer better, you're going to make more sales. Mm. That's it. True. It's it's super simple. Um, there's also a bunch of data depending on the business that you're in. If mm-hmm. you're nicer with your customers you have fewer problems. Um, and so uh, there's actually some real interesting data about doctors. The doctors that get sued the least have the best bedside manner. They're <laughs> the most personal, right. but they have the best software. Right, right. Right? So, you know, if you want to be a doctor who's got a long practice who doesn't get sued, then learn how to be really nice to people. That's, you know. Right, being right. Nice is actually better than your medical abilities. Right. Um, so that's one. If you have a team, mm-hmm. um, being able to improve their performance by a significant amount, mm-hmm. um, like I worked with a software team and I, I improved their throughput by 40%, which in the software world is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a team that you work with and you can improve their workability by 40%, um, that's a lot better throughput for your staff. Mm-hmm. And you should pay them more for that, but still, you know, there's a there's a, a, a set of benefits that accrue with that, right? Mm-hmm. All the stuff that you're learning, all the stuff that your customers are learning, mm-hmm. your employees. If you're giving them that much better of a of an experience where they're working that much better for you, mm-hmm. they're not going to leave, right? So now you're gonna you're gonna you're going to reduce the time you've got to spend on hiring because people aren't leaving. Okay, um, and you're also you're also going to be reducing the institutional knowledge that walks out of the door when somebody quits. Right. Cause there's a cost associated that's a real problem. Yeah. 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 There's a cost associated with, with hiring. Right. And firing. That's right. Yeah. So it sounds those like those you're saying crazy. this is going to help your business to increase LTV. It sounds like you're going to re- you're going to, you know, um, Increase your ability to be able to uh, keep your employees around longer. Decrease the amount the, the exit costs. I think that's typically like around, if, I, if I'm correct, that sounds like about 30% of what you normally spend to acquire the talent. 30% is getting lost in just training them that goes out the door. Right. Okay. Right, right. 
Yeah, I've read this before myself somewhere. You know, the the scary thing is they may have knowledge and nobody else knows. That's true. You know, and now yeah. it's it's gone. <laughs> you know, what do you do? Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So 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 those are, you know, those are pretty substantial, right? And Okay. Super pragmatic. Like for right. me, I'm doing this, be, you know, I started learning this to be better at business. Right. Okay. That was my whole reason was I wanted not only my teams, my executives mm-hmm. um, to be seeing me as very high value mm-hmm. and to have as much control as I could of where we were going mm-hmm. in the business. So, Bill, let me ask you this. Have you been able to extrapolate any type of a ROI, just kind of maybe in general or average for a business that would implement your program? So the the challenge is it is it keeps adding up over time, right? Right. So, you know, if you're if if you're if you can cut your your cost of of headcount mm-hmm. by ten percent, fifteen percent a year, mm-hmm. how you know how much are you saving? Right. Right. Um, if you can get your software team or your whatever you've got team to improve their throughput by ten or fifteen percent, what's the revenue on that? Mm. Um, if you can improve your relationship with your kids and not have to pay a therapist (laughs) to to figure out how to get that sorted out. Right. Right. You know, um, you know, my, my partner works with kids who go to the same schools that my kids go to. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, those kids, parents have costs. Right. For medical expenses and, you know, all kinds of stuff that I don't have because um, I'm modeling and teaching my kids these skills. Right? Gotcha. And, you know, like, it, and it's it's kind of funny when, you know, we um, he opened the school back up last year. All of a sudden, my kid's going on campus. He hasn't been on campus for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Dad, I, you know, there's going to be all these strange kids. I don't know. What do I do? Right. Like, well, <laughs> let's talk about how you get comfortable talking to strangers on campus, a bunch of other students, right? Right. And we we built a recipe for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know we put a set of skills together for a recipe, um, and he Tuesday came home and was like, "Wow, I've got a, a whole new set of friends. Mm. I've got all these new guys like that I'm that I'm like all of a sudden that I didn't know before." And they're super nice, and and I'm having a great time, and this is like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Your stuff works. I'm like, well, yeah. Um, Thursday, he got another group. Cool. And, you know, so I, I'm not worried about him being social, right? Because he does it really, really, really well. So mm-hmm. you know, that's another ROI for me. Is right. Right. I'm not spending 150 or 200 dollars an hour for someone and I'm not worried about my kids mental health you know of something that's worse mm-hmm. um, because he's doing all this stuff right to get all the neurochemicals and to be you know thinking about oh I think I want to go experiment after I got out of high school here's right. what I think I want to go do I'm like great you know right. um, I could have spent a whole lot of money on therapy Mm-hmm. But instead, I learned these skills. Right, right. right. Um, 
in, in terms of ROI, you know, people talk about Google being famously hard to get into. Right. Um, I got into Google on one interview that lasted 20 minutes. Hmm. Um, I asked almost all the questions. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the guy that was interviewing me said, look, you know, you have better questions than I have ever thought of. I don't know the answers. When can yeah. you start? Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. <laughs> Um, okay. What's the ROI for that? Uh, a lot more than we charge for a course. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. With, with that, we'll segue into our closing. Um, just a few more things I want to ask you before we're done. Um, what are three exercises or skills that our audience members can apply in their business tomorrow that could have a huge impact on their bottom lines? Get exercise every day. Exercise every day? Exercise every day, yeah. Um because one, it's super good for your brain chemistry. Okay. Um, if you're stressing, you're building up cortisol. Right. And you're going to go home and take it out on your loved ones. Right. Or you're going to sleep with it and it's not going to all dissipate overnight. And you're going to wake up the next morning not in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Um, you go get a good workout. Mm-hmm. You'll be calm. You'll, you'll get rid of the cortisol. Um, you'll get some dopamine. You'll get some serotonin. You'll get some endorphins. Mm-hmm. Get your brain to a really nice, happy place. Um, and your doctor at your next physical will thank you for it. Awesome. Number two. <laughs> um, number two is uh, be really curious. Hmm. I, I, I don't think enough people recognize what a superpower it is to have curiosity in the world. Right. And to be looking at outlier data away from the middle of what you should be doing um it, looking you know when you look at the outlier data it helps you predict the future mm. and in and the first time you do it you probably won't be able to predict the future um mm-hmm. if you read much about gary vaynerchuk he's made a lot of predictions a lot of them have been wrong <laughs> but the ones that have been right have been very very good mm. right and he works to make those predictions come true. Like right. he's making predictions where he's investing his own time and energy to create the outcome. And I think the third one is have something that you really are passionate about that's not related to work. Hmm. Like where you can take your attention away and let your head clean out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels to me like when we're too focused on one area uh-huh. and that's all we think about all the time, mm-hmm. that's a path to burnout. I guess this is sometimes you need to go away so you can come back. And a lot, a lot of times I think we think we we aren't working on the problem that our brain isn't still processing the problem. But I found that what you're saying is very true. Sometimes I go and I take walks and I just do something totally different. And then I'll come back to my office and it's like, aha, Eureka, you know, so it's interesting how the brain works. But I, I definitely agree with that. So let me ask you this. Um, so for people with what types of challenges do you feel should reach out to you ASAP? Um, so if you're a parent and you want better communication with your kids, we want to talk to you. Because A, for the parent, it sucks when the communication doesn't work well with their kids. Mm-hmm. B, it sucks for the kid. Mm-hmm. Kids want to have good communication with their parents. Mm-hmm. And when it it doesn't work. They get really angry mm-hmm. um, and they don't know how to fix it. Right? right. So 
that's a that's a, a real hot area. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is if you feel like your career has stagnated, mm-hmm. uh, we want to talk with you because over the last 15 years, I've worked with a ton of people that have had stagnation in their career, mm-hmm. and their struggles are very similar mm-hmm. um, about understanding what it takes to um, what's the word I want to use to make yourself an awesome candidate for promotion mm. at a company right mm-hmm. uh, there's there's approaches that work really 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 well and most people don't like for whatever reason um, this isn't part of anybody's education mm-hmm. it should be, right companies don't teach you what you need to know in advance to test and trial for the next level up so we teach a course where you can figure that out for yourself and you can see it and then you can go do it yourself awesome awesome um and then the 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 other one is if you're involved with anything to do with schools middle school high school especially if you're an adult in those environments Mm -hmm. um, we'd love to talk with you about how to help teachers and administrators and counselors and therapists to understand this better, to start using it, to model for the students, mm-hmm. and ultimately bring it to the schools. Awesome. Okay, so do you guys have any affiliate or partnering opportunities that you're willing to entertain or offer? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so should they just reach out to so, you? <laughs> um, yeah, so if, if you... Yeah, if they want to be an affiliate, we can reach us. Here's the deal. We've we've got existing affiliates right now. We mm-hmm. pay a 25% commission. Okay. You bring awesome. us a deal that closes, we pay a 25% commission. Yeah. Okay. And I believe you have a special offer for our audience that you would like to share. And what would that be? Um, if you come to us and you and you you tell us that Mayo is your uh, your guy and this is how you found out about us. <laughs> We'll give you ten percent off off any off of any of our courses. Awesome, love it. And our final question, Bill: um, How can our guests get in contact with you if they want to work with you, sir? Oh, of course. Um, my email is pretty easy. It's Bill at HeartProgram.com. H A E R T Program. Um, we are Heart Program on Facebook. We are Heart Program on Instagram. We are Heart Program. Uh, we have a, a LinkedIn and um, where else? Uh, it's uh, at our website, of course, heartprogram.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that about does it for today. Bill, thank you, thank you sir. This has been phenomenal. Um, I hope you guys learn as much as I did uh, from this. And it, this sounds like this is something to where this is a tool. This is the type of training that honestly, in my opinion, with my background and what I already know, guys, this is the type of training that everyone, regardless of what type of industry that you're in, these interpersonal skills, this this emotional intelligence, the ability to be able to personally manage and deal with people. And you know, I got to say, you know, given the, the state of where things are in the world and how folks are processing the world and uh, some folks even killing themselves. This is extremely important. This is a tool that it sounds to me can be used not just in business, but in life, you know, in your relationships And this is something that, you know, even if you're already somewhat good at these things, 
Listen, they have 50 different skill sets here. I'm quite sure there's something for everybody in this program. So thanks, Bill, for sharing that with us today. And we definitely look forward to seeing more of you soon. And my last thing to say, um, folks, uh, Bill's going to be teaching a a 10-minute educational program. So if you like what you've heard today, you're going to actually see the link inside of the podcast and inside of the video if you're watching on one of the uh, video channels. You can actually check it out there. So thank you, Bill. Take care. God bless everyone. And we will see you soon. Thank you. All right.